Hey there, and welcome to Work Dope, a podcast on the messiness and the potential of humans at work. I'm Linda Stacy, and I'm a corporate sellout and a corporate innovator. And I think that working in corporate America doesn't have to suck, even though it often does. By some statistics, up to 80% of the workforce are unsatisfied, dissatisfied in their work. And on the flip side here, the paradox is that people are expecting more and more to create meaning and purpose within their work life. They're basing their identity on their roles at work. And today's climate has forced us all to take a look at quality of life and what culture really means for people inside of organizations. In fact, I think business is cool. I think that building things and solving real world problems and creating, all of these are fundamental to the best parts of human experience. This is how we embrace human potential. WorkDope is on a mission to reinvent the work experience and is committed to bringing insights, tools, and inspiration to employees at all levels in an organization, but most importantly, the individual contributors, the folks with the tireless jobs that keep the wheels from falling off the bus. In this episode, I'm chatting with Rubina Malik. Dr. Rubina Malik is a strategic advisor and a thought leader skilled at helping organizations looking for guidance on how to best engage, develop, retain, and promote the right candidates to move into top leadership roles. Rubina is also a scholar who teaches at Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, with a professional background in human resources, training, and professional development, coupled with 10 years of research, coaching, and teaching experience. Rabina and I talk about corporate sponsorship and the training programs Rabina brings to organizations in order to do two key things, upskill leaders so that they understand the power of sponsorship and understand their own biases, and also upskill high potential individual contributors so they can be seen as obvious candidates for sponsorship towards leadership. Of course, we also talk about Rabina's background and what brought her to this work. And we also talk about what's important to Rabina in terms of how she knows she's valued in her professional environments. In the outro to this episode, I'm taking a look at a recent article Rabina was featured in. It was in Employee Benefit News, EBN. I'll talk more about it at the end. She makes some pretty powerful statements. So I hope you stay on and listen in at the end. Enjoy the episode. Rabina, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Great, great. I'm really thrilled to have you on. I have read your formal bio in the introduction to this episode, but I like to ask guests to tell us how they might describe what they do at a cocktail party. What a great question. Thank you so much for asking that. So what I tell people is what I do is I work with organizations and SMEs and individuals to help cultivate, retain diverse candidates in their organizations to help put them into the leadership pipeline. Mm -hmm. Awesome. We need good leaders. And I know that sponsorship is one area that you speak to and you build programs around. And I would love for you first to define sponsorship for someone who might not get that language. They might know what it is, but not understand the language around it. And then also a few key components around what a program might look like. Right. So when, when we're talking about sponsorship, we're not talking about sponsoring, um, uh, you know, an event, which is when we talk about sponsorship, you know, that comes to mind. What we're talking, but it's kind of similar to that, right? So what's happening is you've got an individual who is sponsoring you as someone in your organization that's sponsoring you in the organization behind closed doors. 
So they're they're more of an advocate, more of a someone that's pushing your name and pushing you through doors that wouldn't necessarily open without their um, power of influence, uh, mm -hmm. their support, etc. Mm -hmm. So it's an active relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a very active relationship where an individual is advocating for you um, to go to that next level or to have that next position inside of the organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then a program you might develop around that? You help organizations ensure that this exists inside? Yeah. So, you know, the thing is with sponsorship, there's one, one of the things that you can do is like say, okay, I sponsor Rubina. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if we think about sponsorship, let's just step back a little bit and think about sponsorship. Well, if we think about sponsorship, what does it do? It really cultivates the same breed of leaders. And what I mean by that is if in an organization you have, you know, um, Caucasian leaders, then what are you going to do? You usually sponsor people that look like you, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to try to cultivate and have more diverse leaders in our le leadership pipeline, then we need to be more open. So what a leadership program might be is to help train sponsors or those individuals that you want to be trained as sponsors, one. And then secondly, help train ind high potential individuals that you feel like they could, they're, they're want, they need to go to that next level, but maybe need mm -hmm. polishing up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I actually have a framework that I use to help um, train those individuals as well as train the future sponsors. Mm -hmm. so because the way I look at it is it's a mutual beneficial mm. relationship mm -hmm. and both parties are mutually responsible. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? What that means is the organization is responsible for making sure that there is a culture and an environment mm -hmm. where individuals get sponsored and there might be even a process. Mm -hmm. So there's that part of the responsibility of the organization. And then the individual is responsible for making sure that they have the performance and the things that they need to be advocated for mm -hmm. um, to help excel in that mm -hmm. position or the organization. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by that mutual beneficial relationship framework. Right. And the sponsors are being, I'm assuming that a component of that is, is building on their awareness and probably plugged into diversity and inclusion type of um, topics that are being brought up in those trainings? Possibly, yes, they are. They're aware of those things, you know, because at the end of the day, they want to be better uh, leaders mm -hmm. for the whole organization, not just, you know, for their, their own segment. And sometimes, you know, we just don't know better. So we do, well, we, we don't exactly. do better. We don't know better. Right, right. And I'm curious if there's anything specific or what brought you here? I mean, it, talk about your background and what kind of led to you working in this space. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we talk about equity these days and really I've been talking about equity since I was a young girl. And um, so for me being young and being brown and graduating from college, and at that time, there was that glass ceiling, right? And so I was like, I'm going to break that glass ceiling. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to, you know, knock it down and it's, it's not going to happen to me. And then as I progressed in my career and my corporate career, because and now, as you know, I'm also an academic as well. 
um, I've left corporate America for, you know, as, and to be an academic, but um, when I was in, and it, to be honest with you, it's sponsored, there's no distinction in where sponsorship can be. It could be in any and every mm-hmm. organization, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. um, I was just giving an example of that yep. whole black ceiling though. So when I was in that space, I was, you know, finding that I was being looked at and maybe mentored and advised, but I wasn't really sponsored and being advocated for. Mm. And for me, like somebody asked me this question one time, they're like, what really upsets you? And I said, what really upsets me is, um, is inequity, where individuals aren't given the opportunities to have or go forward into a, a position because they may not have the skills, but they don't have the skills because they weren't provided those skills or they weren't, right. you know, they weren't trained on those skills. Right. So that's where it started for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and personally for me, I've always had a lot of mentors in my life, mm-hmm. as well as a lot of um, advocates as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm very thankful for, you know, and I'm very blessed to have the career and mm-hmm. the, um, that I've had because the people have supported me. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned already this idea around responsibility. Are there like some key components that organizations need to have in place in order for, for responsibility to be happening at all levels? Yeah. So one of the things is making sure there's a culture of fairness and that, you know, there's opportunities for everyone and people being cautious Mm -hmm. and conscious that, Hey, you know what? My thinking isn't biased. That mm-hmm. my thinking is, I'm looking at every candidate. I'm just not looking at somebody that looks like me. Right. Which is our natural thing. You know, if you've read any of the articles um, that we've had written in the uh, Harvard Business Review and recently published with our, uh, in a peer-reviewed, and we talk about that in the sense that, you know, when we're looking at, um, at sponsors, sponsors usually sponsor people that look like them. Right. So having a culture and having your leaders conscious Mm-hmm. about, hey, I want to make sure that I diversify. So how do right. I diversify my outreach? Right. Um, so that's one thing for sure is being responsible for that. And the organization needs to be responsible for that because they need to make sure that they're holding people accountable mm-hmm. for sponsoring outside of what they normally might have. Mm-hmm. That- yeah. Yeah. Right. And even, even what you said before, just around individual contributors or, you know, taking responsibility and, 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 and giving them the skills. They have to have access to the skills or modeling, really good modeling in the workplace. Cause it's true. We don't all come into the workplace with the same set of, of background, right? No, we don't. One question I like to ask every guest that I have is around this question of being valued in the workplace. I think that this varies from individual to individual, and it also varies as you go through your career. What made you feel valued when you first entered might be quite different from what it is now. I'm curious to, to hear how that's changed for you, how that looks for you over the course of your career. So when it comes to me feeling valued at work, it's like, I like to be appreciated. I like to be treated fair. Um, I like to be provided opportunities and um, help to grow. Mm-hmm. So, but the biggest thing is, you know, being fair and uh, appreciated. That's mm-hmm. like, you know, and, you know, if we talk about, you know, what are those things that I need personally? That's that. That's one of those things. Yeah. As we know, research shows that individuals lead leaders, not their jobs, mm-hmm. right? So <clears throat> making sure that, um, you know, my leader sees me and appreciates the contribution that I'm making is something that's really important to me and has me feel valued. Then secondly, being treated fairly. I, I work, I work and I work hard. I don't want to see the person next to me who's sitting there on a coffee break every five minutes 
um, making more than me, getting promoted faster or whatever, like that is really something um, that's really important to me too. And so if I see that, then, you know, be careful because I will make it. I mean, I will question it. Like I want to understand why, because mm-hmm. if I'm not, if I'm doing something wrong, then I need to know. And that's another thing too. Part of being valued is, you know, give me feedback, help right. me go to that next level, see my potential when I see my potential. So making sure that, you know, like, Hey, you know, you didn't get that promotion because of X, Y, and Z let's work on that. Yeah. And I don't think we do that enough, especially high-performing individuals. Mm-hmm. And then what they do is they see these individuals next to us who might have the gift to gab, or they may po- play politics, and then right. yourself being left behind. Right. Because, you know, you, you're, you just work. You don't have time to play politics. <laughs> and, you know, a little, you got to do a little bit of both, right? right? right. So you got to do a little bit of both. But, um, you know, making sure that, you know, that I'm being treated fairly, fair and, and then yeah. appreciated for the work. Those are the things that are really important to me. Yeah. How does appreciation show up for you? Um, would it be just acknowledgement via an email or some kind of verbal? I've, I'm always just curious to hear like the actual ways people know, or maybe it's even the way that um, someone that you work with, who would it even be in your academic environment? Is it your, well, for, you could have your clients cause you work with organizations and, and right. right. But then inside the academic world, how does it, how does it <laughs> translate there? Well, so, you know, it's my Dean, like okay. you know, I have my Dean right now and, you know, yeah. just acknowledging me, appreciating, yeah. um, like, you yeah. know, stand advocating for me. Yeah. Um, so all of those things are, you know, very important. Right. So for, for me, those things are important. So, um, uh, yeah, just the acknowledgement, um, mm-hmm. saying, Hey, you know, I saw you do that and you didn't have to, you know? Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, those kind of those, and like when you go out of the extra, go out of your way, when you see others around right. you, conference. right. Right. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So I'm curious, how can people connect with you, reach out to you? What are the access points for you? I'm on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rubina, R-U-B-I-N-A, F, uh, Malik, uh, F is my middle initial, a PhD. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm on LinkedIn. You can reach out to me there, message me, and, you know, and I, I will respond. You can go to my website as well, www.rubina, R-U-B-I-N-A, F, Malik, M-A-L-I-K.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. individuals can reach out to me, and, um, yeah. and I'd be happy to you know, address any questions that people, you know, that, that people have. Rabina, thank you so much for your time today. It's been so great to connect. I wish you the best as you continue with your clients in organizations and in your academic environment. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me here. I'm, you know, I love talking about my favorite topic and you know, something that I'm passionate about. As I mentioned, you know, I started out as a young professional and what I'm just excited, the fact that you know, my destiny has been in this work um, and now I'm researching it and yeah. working with organizations That's to say, awesome. how can we make it better? Mm-hmm. How can we, you know, make, create equity in the workplace mm-hmm. better? Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you know, cultivate diverse leaders Yeah, because um, there's so much potential out there. Absolutely. Right. There's so much potential out there. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again. Have a good one. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. There you have it. Episode 21 is in the books. So as I said in the intro, Rubina was written up in an article in August of 2022. I will link to it in the notes, but you can also Google Rubina F. Malik. it's R-U-B-I-N-A-F-M-A-L-I-K, 
in EBN, Employee Benefit News, and the article will likely come right up. It's a further discussion of what Rubina and I talked about all around sponsorship. And at least two quotes spoke to me personally. So I just wanted to chat a little bit about this and see what else we could learn and gain from this information and this, this awesome work that she brings to the world. Rubina, quoting her, she says, I wasn't given opportunities for professional development, even as I worked to develop others, says Malik, who is Pakistani-American. Although I love where I am, where would I be today if somebody had seen the leader in me? And I totally identify with this. I've been 19 years in pretty much the same role. I have been given additional responsibilities over the years, but my title hasn't changed. And I don't really think that I'm seen broadly as a leader in the organization, like across the board. I mean, I think some people would say I show leadership skills and that, you know, it is coming through, but there's a lot of people who who don't know who I am really. But anyway, it's just kind of an interesting conversation because yes, I've had a professional development budget, but um, what's interesting is that in the early years, I went to library conferences, special library conferences, because that's what my professional background is in. And to my memory, I don't, I don't remember them having manager or leadership type of sessions, although I've got to think that they did. I almost want to go back and try to research the years that I was at those conferences to see if they had leadership or up-leveling type of, um, type of things. But one thing I'm very aware of is that because of the, insular nation, uh, the insulated nature of being in a functional group, I have not been exposed to a lot of people's leadership styles in other ways. Like I haven't seen the way that other people conduct internal meetings as much as I have my own direct boss. I just haven't been exposed to other models and ways of doing things the way that I think other people in my organization, naturally just because of the way their roles have been, have been in so many more teams. They've seen so much, so many more ways of interacting. You know, one manager who's super effective with people and then others who are, who really aren't. And then seeing what those differences are and being able to kind of leverage and model the type of behaviors that you want to exude as you're growing in your own professional development career. So this is really huge. One of the ways that I was able to actually develop leadership skills was I ended up going into new um, conferences and got very um, active in associations and found that I could be part of their leadership committees and, you know, put together a couple of conferences. And that, that was huge for me to really exercise some leadership skills. So it is possible. And how are you going to do this? And if you don't have a budget, if you can't go to a conference, if no one is supplying you with budget materials, I do think that there are so many books on these topics. I mean, I know it. I've read so many of them. And even if you don't have the budget to buy the books, there's a ton of them available at local libraries. And I really, really recommend to people that they that they choose to up-level, to upskill themselves and to move in and out and out of organizations if there's no opportunity for you there. I recognize that I've stayed in my organization and I do love where I am now, just like Rubina does, but um, it definitely would not have been the case if I hadn't sought some professional development and really looked for opportunities to develop myself in various ways. What's interesting is, is that really, I did not expect that Living Blueprints would be born out of, and Living Blueprints is the business that preceded this this podcast, that that would have been born out of me seeking to up-level my own experience. You know, life had just gotten so super busy and crazy that it had squeezed out all opportunity for the things that brought me joy, for the things that nourished me. All I was doing was kind of navigating work and life, you know, laundry and grocery shopping, these types of things. And I wanted more time and space for things that really, really mattered. And then 
uh, it just flourished into something completely different. So it's amazing to me how any personal development can really end up spreading into other aspects of your life for further growth and further development and fulfillment and satisfaction, ultimately. Another thing um, that I thought was pretty powerful in the article, and you really should go read it because it's just a nice, concise um, description of, of Malik's work, but she, this is quoting Malik again. Malik advises women of color to demand opportunities from their employers and be willing to ask what comes next in their careers if they choose to stay at the company. If the employer cannot answer or is denying the employee opportunities to grow, then it might be time to move on. Again, I feel like there's a, a balance here and I've seen both sides and the people I've had on the podcast talking about pushing through inside an organization, because I think it's important to push the limits within your organization or else they're not going to be forced to change. But then also understanding when maybe it's been exercised to the fullest potential and and you need to move on and maybe spread your wings somewhere else. I love that she says here, don't wait for someone to give you the opportunity for professional development, invest in yourself and ask for opportunities. You're in charge of your career and where it goes. What's the worst someone is going to say? If they say no, that's their loss. Again, take the time and opportunity to upskill, to uplevel, to do what you can to be more and more of an asset. And if you do, you can be even creative with local events. Um, you know, some conferences will cost thousands of dollars, the travel, the hotel, it's the fee for the conference itself. But other times you can go to like a half day conference. You know, a lot of uh, national associations will have a local chapter that will meet more frequently or maybe a couple times a year. And that those can be extremely low cost. And it can be just a great opportunity for you to meet other people in your profession to see what else is out there. There's usually an educational pro- pro- component. So you always have something that you could be bringing back and you could make an argument with your employer about the return on investment. What do you plan to do with information learned at these events? How are you going to help the team grow, the company grow? Um, and, and really just create something, create something new, something awesome, something different, something even beautiful that allows yourself and others to grow. Um, and again, the organization in that in, in the end. And finally, if you are someone in the position of influence within your organization, someone who can bring in programs like this, consider Rubina for a program. One like this that educates leaders on sponsorship, one that provides upskilling, provides this to all employees, right? You never know who among the ranks could be a fantastic individual contributor that could be moved into a leadership position. Human capital market, it's a tight market right now, right? You might have some fantastic potential right right in the ranks. So definitely consider the options if you have the resources to upskill where you can inside of your organization. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. As always, if you have any comments, messages, notes, you can send me an email or a recorded message to lynda at workdopepod.com. That's lynda at W-O-R-K-D-O-P-E-P-O-D.com. Until next time, this is Linda Stacy signing off for Workdope. Bye-bye.